Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Mr. President, starring Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's Edward Arnold. Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Before we bring you Edward Arnold as Mr. President... I want to point out that there are no more stirring stories in the world than the stories of Americans who have become the leaders of our country. Generation after generation of American men and women have found their greatest inspiration in the lives of the presidents of the United States. Their deeds are direction pointers for the American mind. People today are more interested than ever to know the intimate, interesting, and inspiring facts about the lives of their former chief executives. Here is the program that presents human, intimate anecdotes and incidents in the careers of our presidents, woven into the rich tapestry that is the American heritage. So test your knowledge of the men who have lived in the White House by listening now to today's fascinating Mr. President story. And now, in just a moment, Edward Arnold. Edward Arnold as Mr. President. Let's visit him in the White House. It is Sunday and the old mansion is resting quietly after a busy week. We walk through the great doors under the presidential seal, across the foyer and down the long hall to the president's study. Oh, come in, won't you? Sit down. There's rather a familiar saying, something to the effect that one picture is worth 10,000 words. Now, if that is true, think how many words the sight of an event actually taking place will be worth. That was proved to me, and how it happened is the plot of this story. Later on, of course, I'll tell you which president this happened to. But meanwhile, you may be able to guess. It was wartime, and Washington in wartime... Well, you've heard a thousand times what Washington is like during a war. Swarming with government workers in uniform and out, and buzzing with rumors and jealousy, both real and imagined. We were doing rather well at the front at this time. I had finally found a commander for our army who knew his business. But in Washington, well, you should have heard Ed Stanley, my secretary of war, one morning in my office. Mr. President, this can't go on, I tell you. It simply can't go on. Then what do you suggest, Ed? One or the other must go. Oh, that's ridiculous on the face of it, Ed. Halleck is the smartest chief of staff the United States Army ever had. Knows his business from A to Z. And as for the little master out there in the field, if we had him in command three years ago, this war would have been over and done with in half the time it has taken us to get this far. That's just it, Mr. President. We're too close to victory now to throw it away. Nothing is being thrown away. Look here, Ed. 
What's the root of the trouble? Well, Halleck feels, with some reason on his part, that you bypassed him when you made the little fellow general-in-chief, as you call him. And as he is. The man who carries the responsibility in the field has every right to give the orders. If he would show a little tact, then, or... Well, better if you would issue an order or two with General Halleck's counter-signature. That would save old Halleck's face. Ed, are we fighting this war to save the nation or a general's face? Obviously the nation, sir. Sometimes I wonder, Ed. Sometimes I... There's another thing, Mr. President. There are rumors flying around Washington that... Mr. President, please forgive my bursting in like this. Oh, you're forgiven, Miss uh, Miss Zara, in advance. What's the trouble? This, Mr. President. Well, War Department communicating, hmm? You know anything about this, Ed? No, sir, I don't, sir. It was received at the War Department less than half an hour ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, not very good. Not very good at all. Have we been thrown back, sir? Worse than that, Ed. Read it for yourself. Enemy has made long enveloping movement, a right flank passing through Frederick City with force of 20,000 men after extracting $200,000 from citizens of Frederick under threat of destruction of city. Um, go on, go on, read the rest of it, Ed. Striking force, mostly like cavalry and infantry. Not known yet whether the objective of the thrust is Baltimore or Washington. Mr. President, what are we to do? Nothing very much at the moment, Miss Zara, except to send Ed here right over to the War Department see if General Halleck is so anxious to save his skin as his face. Mr. President. Where from, Miss Sarah? I didn't take time to open them, sir. Mm-hmm. Open the others, Miss Sarah. Yes, sir. Baltimore and Great Pearl. We demand adequate military protection at once. Mayor's Committee for the Defense of Baltimore. This one, sir, from Philadelphia. Huh. Population on verge of hysteria. Strongly urge and request assuring announcement from the White House to counteract rising tide of fear. What am I going to say to him? What am I going to say to This one, Mr. President. Reports in this sector that enemy is loose behind our lines with 100,000 men causing a panic. And this one. Enemy scouts rumored observed within five miles, Silver Spring, Maryland. If there was just one reliable report. Rumors, rumors, rumors! We had your message, Mr. President. The door was open. Yes, I'm glad you came over it. How are you, Alec? Worried, Mr. President. Looks bad. Very bad. General, how do you propose to defend Washington? I defend Washington? Mr. President, I'm a desk general. You've made another officer general-in-chief. He's at the front, Halleck. Surely, General Halleck, you don't expect the president to call the general-in-chief away from the front when you're in command here in Washington. I command very little, Mr. Secretary. Field orders come from field headquarters. Executive Order Number 4053, signed by the president. And the defense of Washington... Has become action in the field. We know that, General. Yes, sir. Now, see here, General. Miss Sarah... There's someone at the outer office door. Yes, sir. I'll see who it is at once. General, you must realize Mr. That... Secretary, I realize only that without a direct order from the President, I cannot and will not move. And I, General, will not issue any order that will take one tiny bit of authority away from my field commander. Well, it seems to me, General, that your position as Chief of Staff and Commander of the Military District of Washington gives you every authority under the General-in-Chief to direct the defense of this city and of Baltimore. General Wallace will defend Baltimore adequately, I trust, sir. Another special message, Mr. President. Let me have it. Yes, sir. Let's mm-hmm. see. Gentlemen, listen. Sergeant Davis, 15th Infantry, captured by enemy, escaped and brought word. First objective enemy column is Point Lookout, where 17,000 prisoners are to be released and armed. Then move on to Washington. If they ever reach Point Lookout. Exactly, Ed. Well, General... 
Will you act now or go on down in history as the man who saved his face but lost the nation's capital? I shall do my duty, Mr. President. I shall issue orders at once for every able-bodied man in uniform, trained or untrained, and the convalescents in the hospitals who can carry a rifle, to be sent into the defense of the city at once. Very well. That at least is action. Good day, Mr. President. I hope it will be. Good day. Mr. President, that is a frightened man. But he's acting at at last. Miss Sarah, a wire to the mayor's committee of Baltimore. Yes, sir. Uh, I have not a single soldier but whom is being disposed by the military for the best protection of all. By latest accounts, the enemy is moving on Washington. They cannot fly to either place. Let us be vigilant, but keep cool. I hope neither Baltimore nor Washington will be sacked in a while. I have it, sir. And your plans, Mr. President? Oh, I shall continue as usual, work here until this evening. Then I believe I'm to have dinner and sleep tonight at the... Soldier's home on 7th Street Road. Is that right, Miss Sarah? Exactly right. Very well, very well. (laughs) Then we shall proceed as planned. You'll know where to find me if you need me, Ed. Just in case General Halleck falls back on his dignity once again. How'd you do, Miss Sarah? Uh, where's the president? Why, Mr. Brown, he's right inside. We haven't seen you for a long time. <laughs> That's right, Miss Sarah. I thought seeing I was in Washington, I'd drop by. You mean to tell me the president's staying here at the soldiers' home with the soldiers when he could be staying at the White House? You know how he is, Mr. Brown. He knows the men like to see him, and he feels closer to the war this way. Can I see him for a few minutes? Well, he's pretty busy and tired, Mr. Brown. Perhaps I can make an appointment for later in the week. No, ma'am, I reckon that ain't necessary. Maybe for those who want to run a post office it is, but for the president's old friends, <laughs> you know better than that, Miss Sarah. Well, Miss Sarah, where, where have you got... Well, well, Billy Brown. <laughs> I'm not glad to see you. You come along with me. <laughs> Mr. President, do you see, Miss Sarah? I see, Mr. Brown. What's going on here, you two? Nothing important, Mr. President. Well, then, come along, come uh, along. Where are you going, Mr. President? Out on the back steps for a little talk. You coming, Billy? Mm, yes, sir, I'm coming fast. But, Mr. President, there are all of those dispatches. <laughs> you know, Miss Sarah's a wonderful woman, Billy. But there are times when a man's got to have some private talk and some laughs. I know what you mean, Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what's happening back home, Billy. Well, what with the war and all, we... Don't get much time to do much of anything. But say, you remember uh, little Miss Marston? Oh, the little school ma'am? <laughs> With those side curls always bobbing. <laughs> <laughs> you bet I do. Well, she's gone and done it. What, cut off her curls? <laughs> oh, sirree. She's finally married old Sam Jennings. No, Sam Jennings. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he the fellow with the sideburns? <laughs> That's right. And you should see the two of them coming down the aisle in church on Sunday. But the sideburns nodding alongside the side curls bobbing. <laughs> That's a sight to see. A sight to see. It was half as funny seeing it. Just listening to it. It's funny. <laughs> Well, well, you know, that's the first laugh I've had in months. I'm glad I brought it to you, Mr. President. Ah, Billy, you'll you'll never know the good you've done me. I'm homesick, Billy. Just plain homesick. Sometimes it seems as if this war will never be over. And now you come along. (laughs) 
Billy, I think tonight I'm going to have the first real night's rest I've had in a long time. And thanks for coming, Billy. Really, thanks. I'm coming, Ed. Hold your horses. What in thunderation brings you out here this time of the night? Or is it boarding? It's 2.15, sir. Get dressed, Mr. President. You've got to get back to Washington at once. You're panicked, aren't you? Am I? With Early and Breckenridge two miles from here up 7th Street Road, panicked, am I? Well, what happened to Lou Wallace? His army was cut to pieces at Monocacy. If they hadn't stood their ground and fought a delaying action, you'd be a prisoner this minute. Now, for heaven's sake, Mr. President, get dressed. The enemy won't wait your pleasure, sir. <laughs> Fine body of men. Splendid. <laughs> Miss Sarah. Miss Sarah. Yes, Mr. President. Oh, there you are. Come here. I'll look through these field glasses. Uh, like this, sir? Yes, correct, correct. Now, what do you see there? Soldiers, sir, in full field equipment getting off some ships down there. Two whole divisions, Miss Sarah. Two divisions. Right from the front. Veterans. But how? Where, sir? Oh, well, General in Chief hasn't forgotten us, Miss Sarah. He can't leave Washington unprotected while he's fighting a decisive action. Yes, sir. I think I know what you mean. Come in. Mr. President, I've had word from Fort Stevens, sir. I'll take time to catch your breath, Ed. Miss Sarah and I have just been watching two divisions of reinforcements debarking along the Potomac here. Well, they're probably too late, Mr. President. What? The enemy stands before Fort Stevens, sir, squarely on the road to our arsenals, as oh, you know. Oh, no. Mr. President, there's a boat in readiness for you. Oh, now, wait a minute, Ed. You're, you're, you're too fast for me. A boat ready? Yes, sir. You will be evacuating Washington, of course. Oh, will I? Mr. President, they're at Fort Stevens. How long before the fort surrenders? You owe it to the nation, sir, to save yourself. Ed, I'd like to decide for myself what I owe to the nation. Frankly, I don't think running away is one of the actions I owe to the nation. Please, Mr. President. You know the kind of troops in Fort Stevens. Those reinforcements are too late to do any good. Just a minute now, both of you. Let me ask you this. If I run away now, won't it be telling everyone that I have no faith in my troops? Everyone will understand, sir. You can be sure. You know, Ed, I have an idea. I've had too much of this war behind my desk. I think I'd like to see Fort Stevens. For heaven's sake, Mr. President. Don't worry, Miss Sarah. I'll be perfectly safe. But I, I do think I ought to take this opportunity to observe war at first hand. Don't you think so, Miss Sarah? Mr. President. You see, Ed, she agrees with me. But I think that when the men are risking their lives to protect me, the least I can do is to go out there and watch them do it. Mr. President, I don't see... Get your that. hat, Ed. It's been almost 20 years since I heard a bullet sing... I was just a private myself in those days, Miss Sarah. Come along, Ed. Let's have a look at this army of ours in action. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. As we all know, America and Americans are providing a lot of help for Germany and Austria in their process of rebuilding. But what are we doing about the minds of the people in Europe? It's up to us to provide proper nourishment for those minds by giving them the truth. And the best place to begin with is the children of Germany, the adults of tomorrow. Now we can reach those children through radios. That's why your help is needed now, to buy those radios. It won't take much time or money, just the change you have in your pocket. A dime, a quarter, or a half dollar. Send your silver change to Silver Shower, 
Post Office Box 7810, Washington, D.C. We'll repeat that. Silver Shower, Post Office Box 7810, Washington, D.C. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. probably already guessed who the president was in this story, but if you haven't, later on I'll tell you which one it was. Of course, Ed Stanley, my secretary of war, and I had visited field headquarters from time to time during the war, but neither Ed nor I had seen any of the current actions. So we were more than interested when we reached Fort Stevens. There, within sound of firing, we were taken on a tour of inspection of the fort with a young man, a Captain Holmes, detailed to guide us. The magazine where we store our artillery ammunition is beneath the center of this courtyard, Mr. President. I understand. I, I don't hear any cannon at the moment. Uh, no, sir. It's mostly sniper action. We're conserving ammunition, sir. The enemy doesn't seem to be preparing a mass attack. Well, thank heaven for that. Have you seen enough, Mr. President? No, Ed. And stop clucking like a wet hen. We're perfectly safe here. Are we, Captain Holmes? Uh, yes, sir. Only heavy artillery could reach us here, and as the enemy seems to be merely a raiding force, they have only light field guns with them. Satisfied, Ed? No, sir. Mr. President, I wish... Captain Holmes. Yes, sir? Are there any outer defenses to Fort Stevens? You mean the parapets up there, sir? No, 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 Captain. I mean beyond the walls. Well, there are some rifle pits and uh, two lines of trenches, Mr. President. Fully occupied, I assume? Of course, sir. And well within enemy rifle range. Now, mm. Mr. President, if you're thinking... You're going, going to visit the trenches? Of course, I'm not only thinking of it, I'm on my way. Oh, Mr. President, you can't do that. But I am, Ed. Mr. President, if I may add my word... You may, Captain... I know how you feel, sir. But I'm sure that the Army would not be, well, very happy, sir, to assume the responsibility for your safety up front, sir. I appreciate the Army's feelings, Captain Holmes. But I intend to go up there. And I herewith officially absolve the Army from any responsibility for my safety. Up front, as you call it, please, Captain Holmes. Well, Ed, nothing's happened yet. Yet. Won't you turn back now, Mr. President? In a few moments, the firing seems light enough. I wonder why the enemy hasn't hushed the lines. Well, they probably have good reason without artillery preparation, as Captain Holmes was explaining. Just a moment. Just a moment here. Little bears. So this is the enemy. Why, he's just a boy. They must be scraping the bottom of the barrel, sir. So it seems. I wonder... Oh, mother. It hurts. It hurts. Uh, son, uh, can we help you? <laughs> what can I do for you, my boy? You'll do nothing for me. I've seen your picture. You're the enemy. No, no, no longer. Now that you are out of the fight. <laughs> if, if I could get some word home so they didn't know where I am. That will be done, my son. Ed, when we get back to the fort, have Captain Holmes see this lad in the sick bay. Yes, sir. And send his message through the enemy lines and the flag truce tonight. Now, 
that parapet gives a good view, Ed, don't you think? I begged you all day, Mr. President. Please don't expose yourself. Oh, I'm in no greater danger than you are. You're a head taller than I am, sir. If the enemy doesn't know you're here by now, they're a lot more stupid than I thought. No, that, that was too close for comfort, Mr. President. I saw a little comfort in those trenches, Ed. Captain Holmes, war is an undramatic thing, isn't it? Yes, sir. After all, it is mostly waiting, sir, and the individual sees so little of even the biggest battles. Mm-hmm. Rather a mole's eye view, eh? Yes, sir. If you take these field glasses, sir, up here on the parapet, you can see the action on the ridge. Mm-hmm. Yes, I see. Men are dropping on that hillside, Captain. Uh, yes, sir. The enemy has a commanding position up there, sir. Watching from here, that's a simple thing, isn't it? They drop, the others go on. And that Virginia hill becomes a funeral pile. And no matter who wins the hill or holds it, there is no victory. Only loss and waste. Death is so simple. Miss Sarah, where's the president? Having breakfast, Mr. Stanley, and he absolutely forbade me to interrupt him for anything. He said something about having discovered yesterday that death is a very simple matter and not to bother him. What's that out there? Our own. More reinforcements from the main front. Yeah. A good-looking body of men. Tough. They're in time. If only they're in time. Mr. Stanley, why won't he listen to us and escape while there's still time? Oh. Shall I open it, Michelle? No. No, I'll do it. Yes? Uh, Captain Holmes at your service, ma'am. Special message for the president. Oh, come in, Holmes. Come in. We're waiting for the president. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Captain Holmes. Glad to see you again. An urgent message, Mr. President. All wires are cut and Washington is isolated. Well, it might be a good idea, isolating Washington. There is some good news, Mr. President. General Early withdrew his forces from the vicinity of Fort Stevens at dawn on this morning, sir. Excellent, excellent there, Ed Massaro. You see, all's well, or practically so. Captain, I assume you are pursuing the enemy. Uh, not that I know of, sir. What? Why? Well, there seems to be some confusion of orders, sir. The reinforcements came from the command of the general-in-chief. I think I begin to understand. Halleck is at it again, sir. But suppose they come back again. Suppose they attack by another round. I don't like this. You understand, Ed. I want complete details on this affair, and I want General Halleck in this office the first thing in the morning. Stanley and General Halleck, Mr. President. Good morning, gentlemen. Mr. Good President. Morning, All right, Miss Sarah. Yes, sir. Well, gentlemen. They got clean away, Mr. President. No interception by any of our units within striking distance. And Hunter at Harpers Ferry? He failed to move a single soldier or a single gun, sir. Why? There's been no word from him as yet. Why? Why was this permitted? If I may, Mr. President. You, you not only may, you'd better. The fault probably lies at your doorstep, Mr. President. General, I will stand just so much. The only troops in this vicinity fresh enough to pursue the enemy were those from the field force. I command only the garrison by your express order, sir. And the general-in-chief is too far away to be reached in time. I see. So now we are still in danger because of military protocol, huh? Mr. President, this is beyond me. And me. We are working our hearts out to save the nation. The capital of the nation is in danger. And that doesn't matter half as much as the young men who are willingly facing the enemy's fire. But our commanding officers refuse to command. There's a word for that. And not a very nice word, General. 
May I have the word, Mr. President? Some would call it treason, sir. Hardly that, Mr. President. Your own methods, rather peculiar, if I may say so, of shifting command and command responsibility has disrupted completely the time-honored tradition of the Army. I am not and never have been interested in perpetuating the traditions of any kind. I am only interested in ending this war victoriously and stopping the bloodshed. Stopping the general dealing and death I witnessed yesterday. The Army does not share your point of view. General Halleck, I have tried for three full years to find a general who would fight this war and fight it in terms of today, not yesterday. I have that man in our general-in-chief. I will not have him sabotaged by death, General sir. Do you wish me to resign, Mr. President? You have a job to do, and do it, and do it properly. To the best of my ability, sir, as always. And when sudden changes in the fortunes of war make you a field commander, I expect you to act as such. Ed. Yes, sir. I want you to take General Halleck back to the War Department and see to it that he orders the immediate pursuit of the enemy. Yes, Mr. President. This is an... An outrage, General? Yes. If early and his army come back this way, you'll learn the real meaning of that word. Good morning, gentlemen. Miss Sarah. Yes, Mr. President. The gentlemen are leaving. Good morning, Mr. President. Everything will be all right now. I, I hope so. Will there be anything else at the moment, Mr. President? Oh, no, Miss Sarah. Just these acts of Congress to go over... My, it's only 10 o'clock and I'm tired already. If only you wouldn't do all the extras, then. <laughs> like my trip to Fort Stevens, Miss Sarah? Yes, sir, things like that. Well, I think that was very necessary, Miss Sarah. Necessary for you to risk your life? Perhaps. But you see, I learned something about command responsibility up there, Miss Sarah. The men who do the dying must never be betrayed in any way by their officers. Did you need to learn that, Mr. President? Thank you, Miss Sarah. And what I saw the other day taught me something else. It is the absolute truth that one real picture is worth a hundred thousand words. probably figured out by now who I was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and I'll tell you the answer in just a moment. Walter Winchell is on vacation. Substituting for Mr. Winchell Sunday evenings, Arlene Francis and Ben Grower merged their talents to bring you Summer Journal, a fast-paced 15-minute show you're sure to enjoy. Walter Winchell will return to his ABC microphone on Sunday evening, September 5th. Meantime, be sure to be on hand for Arlene Francis and Ben Grower, who will keep you informed on the important news events of the week and the people in the headlines. Sunday nights, starting tonight, Arlene Francis and Ben Grower substitute for Walter Winchell on Summer Journals over most of these very same ABC stations. And now, here again is Edward Arnold. of today's story was 1864. And the man in the White House who risked his life at Fort Stevens was Abraham Lincoln. The general-in-chief was General Grant, of course, who was laying siege to Petersburg, Virginia. At the time of Early's raid to the outskirts of Washington, the Secretary of War was Edwin M. Stanton. And the bright young Captain Holmes was the Oliver Wendell Holmes 
who was to become the distinguished and famous Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Come and see me again next week, won't you? I'll have another story for you about Mr. President that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Goodbye. appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor musical A Date with Judy, starring Wallace Berry, Jane Powell, and Elizabeth Taylor. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. It is produced and directed by Dwight Hauser. Miss Sarah was played by Betty Lou Gerson. This story by Ira Marion was suggested by incidents in the administration of President Abraham Lincoln. Music was composed and conducted by Basil Adlam and Phil Bavero. sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations brings you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.